Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast, Episode 3. I'm sorry I've been gone so long. I uh, Life intervened, and you guys know how I am. I'm going to be more consistent from now on. We're going to take a little bit of a health detour this week. I'm going to focus on health. I'm going to interview one of our old Texans employees, Roberta Anding, later on the week. Um, today, I'm bringing in one of my old teammates, one of my very good friends, guy that was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings in the second round, spent four years there before coming here to Houston in 2002. Uh, we played together here on the furry, on the first Texans teams. It's Kylie Wong. Kylie, how the hell are you? What's up, man? Dude, good. I like it. I like the setup you got going here. This is going to be great. You're my first official non-Garrett the Web Guy guest. Oh, all right. You're the I first li- actual like ex-athlete or somebody from outside of the Sports Radio 610 world that, that's come on the show. Dude, that's mad love. Thank you, brother. You are currently, since we're doing kind of a health theme, you are currently the owner of the Athletic Room in Bel Air. Yep. Tell me. Actually, yeah, two locations now. Oh, we you have got one, two. You opened yep, up the second we, one. Yeah, we have one on Bel Air, or one in Bel Air, and we have one right there, kind of in muse- museum district on Montrose. So you and I had kind of a similar experience in the NFL, and that we got, <laughs> we, we, it was ugly at the end. Yeah, we, we went out like in a flurry of broken limbs and joints and uh, carnage all over the place. And I think we both kind of committed ourselves afterwards to getting back in shape and trying not to become that cautionary tale of For sure. what happens to ex NFL players. But you, I think we both also did the same thing where we experimented with other stuff uh, career-wise immediately afterwards and kind of bounced around a little bit. Tell me tell me what you did for the first four or five years right after you were done in the NFL. So right after I was done, you know, um, towards the end of my career, I was actually kind of already getting into real estate. So I was had, had this apartment complex, I guess, portfolio, so to speak, that I went in and just kind of re- really took over, right? So as opposed oh, to- that's right. Yeah, as opposed to having it, um, you know, being ran by a third party, mm-hmm. I went in and wanted to learn the business. I wanted to, and it was interesting. It was really, really fun. Like from the standpoint of what I learned from that experience is I do not need to make good decisions. I just need to stop bad decisions from being made. Okay. Right. And 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 just by stopping bad decisions, you could you could essentially increase your net operating income. Right. You took over an apartment building that was it was not in good shape at all. It was it was in fine shape. I guess what you're what you're referring to is it was kind of a hood apartment. Oh, okay. Right. right? Oh, okay. So it was you know it was. All I, I remembered it was, was that you had to go in and do a lot of work to it. There was there was a lot of work to be done. Okay. Um, um, the the structure itself was good, but the but the building I thought they were C apartments uh-huh. until I actually went to C apartments, and I realized oh I have D apartments, okay. um, and so it was it was tough. I mean it was a tough neighborhood. Um, there was uh, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. There was gang activity going on. You know all the things that you need to kind of um, you know get in the middle of as gang, an owner. You had gang activity going on in your apartment complex, dude. I didn't have a gang. I had a dead body one time <laughs> that was parked in an abandoned car on my property i mean like, this is crazy stuff like you just don't realize what was he dead of 
Uh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't good. It was. Yeah, it, 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 it we had a call in. Yeah, we had a call okay. in. The, he didn't go of natural causes. He did not go of natural causes, and then put himself in the trunk of an abandoned oh, car. Yeah, trunk. he was in the trunk. How did you find it? Did it smell? Uh, it smelled. And oh, yeah, so who discovered who actually opened it? I the was trunk? the well, the the uh, police did. did you, so did we, you we actually look at it. I did not know. Okay. Yeah. So there was uh, basically what we had is we had a, you know kind of police that would patrol. Uh-huh. So kind of you know evening times, uh, you know obviously on the weekends. Yeah. And uh, so he he basically had got the call and had to go check it out. So you had to come in. You had to clean up dead bodies. You probably I'm guessing had to evict a few people or just try to encourage other people to move in. And it all during all this time, what's your stress level like? Uh, you know, my stress level, I mean, it was fun. Like you're, we you're were one of the most infuriatingly yeah, cheerful yeah, we were, people we were I've doing, ever met. We were doing fine. Yeah, so I wasn't over. Yes. There were times where you're like, dude, what, you know, you, you worry about it at night. You just about the unknown about what, what you're able to control. Yeah. Um, but by and large, you know, it was kind of going fine. It was going well. I wasn't, you know, overly concerned, overly stressed about, you know, uh-huh. about, uh, running it. I just ended up getting out of it. Because uh, we ended up moving to L.A. Right. And so, you know, that was kind of why I divested from those because I really believe, you know, strongly after kind of having that experience of kind of going in and seeing, you know, because we had, uh, you know, I had I had a manager who said, you know, apartment 105 is empty. And then I walk in and it's fully vacant. I mean, mean, you know, it's occupied. occupied, Right. And so it's occupied. And. You know, clearly that tenant was just paying cash and then it wasn't showing up on the books. So I believe in, you know, owning the real estate kind of where you live Mm -hmm. so you can check on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you weren't going to move to L.A. and be an absentee landlord. Exactly. And I think that's kind of how you get these distressed, dilapidated properties that just aren't a good product, aren't safe for the community. That type of stuff is kind of, you know, absentee, you know, um, owners that neglect it. Right. And so so that's kind of why I divest from that um and and moved out to la yeah and that was kind of that was kind of what i did and, and then but it, so you're in la for a few years and then you didn't you ended up coming how did you end up coming back to you well it was funny because i was in la um for less than a year so my wife really wanted to move to back to the west coast and i remember talking to you on the phone at the time you're trying to figure out if maybe you're going to go coach for with vic fangio right it, absolutely was at stanford at the time it was stanford, the yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i was at stanford for the time i was thinking about if i was going to go up there go coach for stanford um i was kind of just playing around out there as well and then what ended up ultimately bringing me back was i really enjoyed financial markets mm-hmm. and so um i wanted to come back to houston to see if you know uh, hedge funds or you know or something like that would be of interest to me um kind of lined up a number of different different opportunities whether it was kind of wealth management i mean different spectrums of the of financial space, um, whether it was wealth management, whether it was, you know, actual trading with hedge funds um, and ended up realizing that with four kids um, with a, a crazy busy schedule that yeah. I wanted to kind of still be there and be a part of my kids, you know, daily routines, coaching their stuff, um, you know, you know, participating with them, that brokering was a good option. And so I went into uh, derivatives, so basically gas options and, yeah, and broker gas you options. You talked me into 
taking the commodities uh, broker. Yeah, series three. Yeah, that stuff's hard, man. Dude, it's hard. It's hard. There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot. I got good enough to where I could pass the test, but I was like, ah, this is not this is not the life for me. Well, it's funny because you know, and the the test is the easy part. Yeah. Um, what's what's really hard is just the what I found out was the toll and just the tax that it puts on your body, Mm -hmm. right? Because not only are you in the office and you're just sedentary and you're just sitting for you know eight hours a day, um, but then after work. You know, you can try to get a little workout, but then you entertain, right? Right. So then you're then you're steak dinners, then you're drinking, which sounds awesome and 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 really fun at the beginning, and then you're just like, dude, you start dreading it, like because you can literally feel as an athlete, we're so in tune with our body, you can literally feel the damage we're doing to like our you're body. You're just toxifying it. You're, Absolutely, you're polluting it. Right? I'm polluting like, that's it. That's how you feel because. That's one of my favorite words for for saying that you were messed up and saying you're polluted, but it is because it just feels so much like what it is. Oh, because when you go in on a, like back when you're young and you go out after a game on a Sunday and you might only get three hours of sleep and then all of a sudden you're in working out for some psychotic strength coach on Monday, you can just, you can feel, it's almost like you can feel the chemicals interfering with everything. Oh, without question. And that's what you felt like 24 hours a day. Uh, 24 hours a day. Yeah. And, and it was interesting because, and that's kind of how I ended up transitioning into what I'm doing now, the athletic room, is I was so frustrated with my body because, you know, here I was, you know, yes, we both kind of had injuries to kind of end our careers, yeah. right? But, you know, after rehab, after kind of doing all the stuff, the PT that I needed to do, I was fairly good. Like I left the NFL, like my body was in good shape. And here I was in corporate America and I was just beating it down. I mean, I literally was having a a tough time, you know, working out. I was having a tough time. Like finishing a workout or just even enjoying it. Enjoying it. Enjoying movement. That was the biggest thing. You know, and I remembered, I actually talked about you to my neurologist yesterday. I say my neurologist. There was a neurologist. I was doing the uh, baseline testing for the NFL concussion program. Which is, have you done that yet? I have not, it's no. Grueling. It's grueling. I bet. Gru- you take like six hours worth of psychological assessments and everything. You're doing puzzles and word games and all this stuff. Um, but when I'm talking to the guy about, you know, staying healthy and staying mentally healthy and all that, they give you the checklist of things you should be doing. And and I, I can remember having a conversation with you. You were the first person that ever had this same, I guess, recognition as I did when we were younger, was how mentally messed up I am if I don't workout yeah like if i don't like i get depressed for I'll, sure i'll be grumpy i'll be moody and everything and i was kind of telling you that when we were on the plane one time and you're like yeah marisa your wife says the exact same thing like if you're if you're all of a sudden turning into non-bubbly kylie yeah she just goes to tell you to work out just go yeah, yeah. so literally go you just gotta go go yeah. for a run go go lift do whatever you gotta do because yeah i need that daily thing and that and that's a big part of our lives mm-hmm. right like if i um and and that was interfering with it to where I'm I'm popping four Advil just to try to go get an hour workout. Right. You know, and it was You were was, living like that. It sounds like a stereotypical like nineteen sixties businessman life where oh. you were or where you're just you're working at the office. You might as well have been smoking all like in a smoky room and then you go out afterwards and you have martinis or whatever and then you go home and you do the whole same thing the next oh, day. Oh, without question. Yeah. It was like it was like Henry the Eighth, right? Like yeah. like uh you know, you're yes, you kind of are living like a king, but you're setting yourself up for gout. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that's that's you know, talk about polluting your body. That's that's essentially what what the role was and and so I I was frustrated. I knew that 
I wanted to take my body back. I was way too young. My my whole goal, my entire life was to always be active. That was why I left the NFL when I did right. and kind of retired. Was That's right. Yeah, you wanted to, to be able to be healthy and active. Maintain activity levels. Yeah. I, when I'm 85, I plan on deadlifting. Right. It probably is not 315, yeah. but it's going to, you know, I'm going to be able to be able to go through. Ground. For sure. You're going you're gonna to be avoiding the hip. The hit, exactly. Yeah. And so um, and so I knew that there's an easy way, the kind of the way that we took care of our body, just basic daily stuff that uh-huh. we can do um, that we just feel so much better. We get rid of pain. We can function better, move better. And so that's kind of why, what I created the athletic room. I created it to to mimic the, the support that we had as pro athletes, mm-hmm. but now bring it to everybody because I recognize everybody has these issues, not just elite athletes. And, um, and it, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Well, because you, I know you use the methods of, uh, is it, is it Pete Agoscu? Um, it, 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 Pete Agoscu is awesome. Yeah. It's not his methods. You don't use no. his methods. Okay, right. Excuse me. Oh, maybe but his philosophy, absolutely. Oh, you know what? I was talking to somebody at the Super Bowl about Agoscu and it made me think of you. Yeah. But it's kind of just uh, that, that same theory of being sure everything's aligned right while you're, while you're moving. And you do guys, you guys do a stretching technique that. I've had Mike Meltzer has had it done, right? And it's it's so much better than remember the tank, yes, uh, the training athletes for sure, yeah. that used uh-huh. to come in uh-huh. like be extreme, like they they were sadists, yeah. They, they were, were they would stretch the hell out of you, and I think there was value to that, but it was. It, you know, as a lot of the studies are showing now, that extreme stretching can be kind of counterproductive. It, it's inc- actually that extreme stretching is counterproductive, yeah. right? So, like, if you look at the, you know, kind of that methodology, like the static stretching methodology, yeah. like that pin and hold stretch uh, methodology, um, it actually reduces performance, it reduces speed. Especially you know, if you do it before performance. It, right? Absolutely, yeah. So that's kind of why everything is dynamic. Mm-hmm. Whenever you know, whenever we think of Dan Riley, whenever we think of you know the the stretching before practices, yeah. everything is a dynamic move. Yeah. Because that that obviously warms up your muscles, you know, elongates the muscles, but doesn't actually take away from performance. And you work you work with a lot of people that do five Ks and do marathons and everything. A lot of your clients are like that. It, it's amazing how ingrained it is in people's psyche that you got to stretch before you work out. Right. Like no matter how much, because it's going on. It's like 20 years of evidence now, isn't it? That stretching before exercise really doesn't, or at least especially static stretching before exercise doesn't really do anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is funny because- or it can actually hurt your performance. It's it's, it's so programmed in us, yeah. right? Like, I mean, who taught us stretching? Our PE coaches in like first grade, yeah. right? Like, I mean, and just think about, no, not nothing to take away from PE coaches in first grade, but, you know, they're not the most current on kind of methodology right. and, and especially, you know, back when we were growing up, which is, you know, the 80s, right? Oh yeah, no, that was when it was a gym coach. Like, exactly. it is like now they tried to actually do physical education. That right. was a gym coach. That was yes, <laughs> who just exactly. wanted to do something for five minutes before it's just a waste time before you went. Yeah. Well, no, you see what the the sprinters and everything are doing now, where they'll actually it's the opposite of stretching. Like you're warming up by doing quarter squats, right, and things like that, like really taxing the muscles yep. and the the nervous system more than trying to when you stretch you actually relax the nervous system right or if you yeah. do if you do the old static yeah session. the old static yeah. session you're trying to but but in reality you just it, it's very difficult to do that because once you get to, to that point where you get tension we all know it yeah right um you can't go any further until you relax that muscle but uh-huh. that muscle is really contracted uh-huh. you know what i mean i mean your body is trying to fight kind of uh, you know where it is so yeah. so we basically eliminated all that everything is it's dynamic on our tables we have athletic you know former athletic trainers from the dynamo from the texans and every Everything is is dynamic and through movement, and yep. so the idea is it should never hurt, but you get this huge gain of kind of range of motion, and 
And it, it's funny because, you know, a lot of what the athletic room and a lot of as I've kind of dug into the science, I'm super into this biohacking. I'm sure we'll talk about this yeah. later. No, they, they annoys the hell out of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. But OK, yeah, let me but, give you my quick definition of biohacking. OK, yeah. As they this is this is life. I, I want to talk about biohacking. Uh-huh. I think there's a lot of it. It's this whole life hacking movement that comes out of Silicon Valley. I really feel like most like 90 percent of the people in Silicon Valley doing it. It's like better and more efficient ways to become a bigger asshole like it just it's almost like i can i'm gonna meditate so i can dominate the competition (laughs) no you're right that is i mean it's always around so i can eviscerate and kill smaller companies you're right no you're right so i could go and acquire and yeah no (laughs) i mean but but it's but it's funny because when i look at this biohacking is none of it's new right like everything is just how people used to do it back (laughs) in the day you know like it's it's really really funny to me at at how just how um you know it's basically all coming back to the same thing but some of it has to be because and, and this is where it does have validity is that we live in this world where technology has so infiltrated everything we right. do that you almost have to make a willful effort to get back to simple. True. Like to do everything, to live in this city and to have my smartphone and everything, you have to do stuff to get back to living mentally like it was like for my grandpa when he was on a farm all day. Right. And barely, you know, had close relationships with a few people and saw birds, you know. And, and, and actually touched yeah. earth, you right, know, yeah, and like, you know, like, food that for wasn't. sure. Yeah. Like people talk about going paleo and live like the cavemen. Fuck that. Excuse my language. Um, it's like no, live like your grandparents. That's did. it. Like that's all. Like 50, 60 years ago is a huge difference. Huge difference. But okay, so what biohacking are you into right now? No, so that, uh, no, I didn't mean to crap. All no, over no, no, it. no, not not biohacking. But I just find it funny because I it, it's not you know when I really look at it, it's not necessarily biohacking, right? Right. It's just look back at like what did people used to do, mm-hmm. you know? And if you look at like um, if you look at like so I'm really into breathing. So if you look at breathing. Um, and I kind of this, breathing as well. Yeah, I do. Breathing is <laughs> yeah, really good, like, isn't you're it? You're into breathing. After, as to after every sleeping, other living, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you look at like the Tibetans and, and kind of their meditation right. thing. You look at India and their and, and pranayama. It all comes you look back at to Tai breathing. Chi. You look at uh, Qigong. Right. It all yeah. comes back to breathing. It's just it's 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 kind of these basic. Is that things. What Eddie Vedder is talking about in that song, his Just Breathe song. Is I that, think so, dude. It? Okay. He might have been a Wim Hof fan, and I, we didn't you, even know. You know he's definitely into yoga and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, you're into this. Oh, the Wim Hof. Yeah. The Wim Hof. Is it, what is it called? Meditation? It's, it's called the Wim Hof Method. This, so is, he's a, this bas- is the crazy dude that submerges himself in ice water for hours at a time, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, he has all these world records. So he... Um, uh, he has yes, he's submerged himself in ice for two two hours. He's uh, you know he's on these TED talks. He's very well studied, um, incredibly well yeah. studied, and he deals with a lot of you know autoimmune type stuff, uh-huh. right? Uh, a lot of his people who who follow him are RA people or you know fibromyalgia or or, or something that's kind of attacking the, the their their nervous system, and it's really really fascinating because. It's tumo meditation is what it is. Okay. It's kind of like uh, tumo, tumo, like or, T-U-M-O? or almost like kundalini breathing. Okay, right. So it's like sure. this is, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's a yoga that term okay. for any of you oh, yogis right. out okay. there. I don't go to yoga. I sweat too much. You know, it's yeah, no, it is embarrassing. That's why I like hot yoga because in hot yoga everybody's, everybody's a mess. Like, you've seen me sweat though. It's different. It's a whole different level. You, it's you, like pools of sweat. I could. It, it would look like a murder scene around <laughs> your yoga mat <laughs> like, in a flow yoga where where all the other. <laughs> 
women ladies are glistening yeah. On their, yeah yeah on the, in my pool of sweat um so so you know it's really really fat he's really fascinating and really well studied right. because um not only does he do these amazing feats like you know run marathons and you know in the north pole or um or in the desert yeah. but he also does things like they took him into a lab and injected him with endotoxins, uh-huh. basically uh, E. coli bacteria cell wall. Yeah. Right. And then Should he have, does his like explain real quick. What is it? What's the basic premise? behind? So the basic premise behind it is um, basically how, you know, divers, uh-huh. um, guys who, you know, um, uh, free divers, yeah. you know, kind of their Here breathing go, like, technique. Feet exactly. Yeah. It's a very similar breathing technique to that. And then he does a lot of breath holds. Like where you so sa- like you saturate your body you with saturate oxygen, your body with and, oxygen hold your and hold your breath, right? Okay. Um, empty lungs. And what that has um, from a performance standpoint and why you're seeing it so much in um, the Navy SEALs or in um, um, 1500 meter runners once they get to collegiate level. Yeah. or even you know pro athletes okay. is because by doing breath work along with your your training uh-huh. you actually increase red blood cell count okay. in your body um, which means you can deliver oxygen better to your muscles um, and you actually increase your vo2 max by five percent without without additional without training anything different right and these are Just in by, elite athletes already these are so in like elite a 5% athletes increase for an elite athlete it's huge is absurd i mean that. so so that's why you're seeing it so much um you know kind of you See, know kind I'm of so coming far out of the loop i don't even really like this is becoming a big thing it's becoming a big thing really and yeah the special ops dudes are all doing it all uh, absolutely or not all of them but a lot no of them. a okay. lot of them are doing really? it. i mean they're it's literally a part of like training now yeah. like it's cold water Submersion is part of it too. Cold water submersion is a part of it. Yeah. Is that why? What's the benefit of that? Uh, just the same kind of idea. They've just found that that you know, like these this endotoxin thing. Uh-huh. So they 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 stuck him with endotoxins, and he should have had flu like symptoms, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but with his breathing and with some cold, he didn't elicit a response. Really? So they're just like, dude, this is anomaly. This is weird. Yeah. And he goes to them. He goes, Sounds hey, like Wolverine, or something. without question. Yeah. And so they're just like, dude, you're just a freak. Whatever. We're just gonna dismiss it. Yeah. He's like, well, let me take thirty people who have never been exposed to this before again uh, before mm-hmm. the Wim Hof method. I'm gonna train them for six months, and I'm gonna bring them back. Okay. So he brought them back. They did the same thing. They didn't elicit a response. Really. And so, so you know, part of the cold, just like with anything else, and just like with what you know, what we've been dealing with so much, kind of in you know our new lifestyle, mm-hmm. is it addresses inflammation, mm-hmm. right? So, so by you know oxygenating cells and by addressing inflammation, you can really make significant changes in your body, mm-hmm. right? And so, um. So it's been it's been really fascinating, even on my own, like on my own body and just the way that I've dropped ridiculous amount of weight, you know, without necessarily just from, trying. Just when you started doing that. Just when it I started just changed doing the way your body operated. Completely. Maybe changed your appetite. Uh, yeah. It, 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 everything ties in together okay. so well. So, so Wim I'm Hoff, a huge how do I spell Wim Hof? Uh, W-I-M-H-O-F. Okay. Everybody Google Wim Hof. Yeah. And then everybody else do the research and tell me if I should do it or not. Oh, it's a no. I, you I'm told me about this like no three brainer. months ago. I know it's a no-brainer. I'm so lazy. I'm so lazy. Not in, not in doing stuff. It's in, you know, it's, you know, when you're like, all right, I got to learn about something now. <laughs> it's yeah. going to take me an hour. But an I, when hour. I, when yeah. I could be, dude. I love it. I'm sitting there trying to figure out which Netflix series to start next yesterday, and I had stress over it. It's <laughs> like, oh, it's going to be a big investment in my time. Uh, I ended up, I, I landed on the Santa Clarita diet. Dude. Which is actually really good. Uh, have you have you watched Wild Wild Country yet? No, no. You got, check out Wild Wild Country. It's it's 
because only because it's from Antelope, Oregon, yeah. right? So it was around my time, and it was when basically this this uh, this community from India yeah. came over and took over the town. Like I'm talking about, took oh, really? over took over the sheriff's office, took over um, you know the mayor, renamed the town. They what went year into this. Was this? Uh, it was probably like 81, 82, kind of in those. So in it's a true story. Or, this true is like story. A, okay. Yeah. Right, I mean, and even out. so much as, and, and they end up having some shadiness going on there. And even so much as uh, uh, try, we're going to try to um, basically kind of kill one of the, I don't know, well, someone high up Well, because that's what you do once state. you have control of the, uh, once you have control of the local police force, I would totally do that. Right. Yeah. I'd kill everybody. Yeah. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. They poison people. Like, really? I mean, it was, it's a crazy, it's really fun. It's okay. a really good documentary. Okay. So I'm going to check that out after I'm done with the Santa Clarita. Di- is it Santa Clarita? Is that the name of the town in uh, California? Yeah. I yeah. So. Santa Clarita diet. It's uh, Drew Barrymore. Um, but the Wim Hof meditation is... In the cryotherapy part of it, or the cold part of it, right. you guys do cryotherapy, which is the extreme cold exposure at the athletic room. Yep. What? So what? What's the crossover with like that and potentially autoimmune disease? The way you're saying that Wim Hof might also have some kind of beneficial effect. So I mean, look the whole the whole point. So you I know, should say inflammation. Inflammation. I don't want to be. You're not. You're not sitting here like Brady's guy trying to say you can cure cancer or anything. No. But but inflammation can In, be addressed. Inflammation can be reduced, right? Yeah. So there's a number of there's a number of studies that you can pull from. But at the end of the day, let's just let's make it real, real simple. Inflammation is a big issue because of our diet, uh-huh. right? Um, and because of the way, the way our bodies, and not to mention, it's also a big issue because of of our cell phones, you know, with notifications and just cortisol release and just, and traffic oh. and all of that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, because we tend to think of it as psychological stress and psychological alone, but where when you are, when it, it's not just the divided attention or anything. When you get that notification, you actually release cortisol. Exactly, which is your stress hormone. Yeah. Right? Okay. And, and so it then starts, you know, which is inflammation. Yeah. And and what we're finding is inflammation is, you know, a part of all the stuff that we're dealing with, right? Not only is it something that accelerates any type of aging, so from an anti-aging standpoint, um, and I'm not talking about necessarily the beauty aspect, you know, skin or whatever. I'm talking about just the, the actual aging process of your body. Inflammation is a part of it. Depression, inflammation is a part of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, a lot of these, any of these RA, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, um, you know, fibromyalgia, all these type of things. These my, are my wife, which is chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which is something we've talked about, right? And this is something that a, f- a few doctors are working on right now, and there's some some novel research, but it's it's all under that same umbrella. There's a, it's inflammation is the issue. Inflammation, yeah. and so by reducing overall inflammation we knew this as as athletes that's kind of why both you and i were in the ice tub in the cold every single day poor poor aaron glenn little aaron glenn was in the ice tub who's like at three percent body fat miserable exactly he would just he'd gruel like grit his teeth for 20 minutes every day right and we knew it intuitively right and so because our bodies let's just you know if we look back at our programming you know we have always had to deal with you know, mild cold stress at times, yeah. right? We would have winter and we would have mild cold stress. So cold stress is good for us. And so that's kind of the, the premise behind it is trying to help people reduce kind of overall inflammation because it will, not only will it change kind of pain mm-hmm. and, and, and perception of pain. Um, we, we had this really interesting study that, that kind of showed that, um, but it also oh, just, just lo- that exposure to cold. It just it, it makes you more 
tolerant, pain tolerant? Without question. Okay. So literally we had a person come in and we had her do basically universal pain and Tegner's activity level and just chart it. Mm-hmm. And basically she'd be like, I, she's coming in. She's like, I'm hot. I'm at like a six. Yeah. You know, I'm hurting. My knee's really hurting. And then she'd come out. She's like, you know, I'm about a three. Yeah. You know, and it's it was kind of a, a natural um uh, version of of Advil, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a very natural process as opposed to putting drugs in your body. Okay, so cold is good. You and I have known that for a long time, even without necessarily knowing how or why. And is is it fair to say that people still don't quite know why? Um, they know that it works, and they have theories about why it might work. But what it is, you know, it's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you could you could look up uh, studies on ice, does ice work? Yeah, we all know one hundred percent. Like, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. I'm putting ice on. It's inconclusive, right? Because right? I think even with orthopedic surgeons, I remember talking to Dr. Lowe, the the team doctor, about this. That in Germany, I don't know if it's still they this use way, heat. Yeah, they don't like using ice at all, right? Where I just know intuitively, like, no, it feels better if it, you put some ice. It, on like, it. it's a no brainer. Like, yeah. I I actually will crave ice. Yeah. Um, well, yes. Okay, now I gotta get back to this. How yeah. did you? Okay. Is it the Wim Hof meditation? Is it a combination of that with the cold? When did you first notice that you lost a bunch of weight? So it was really because interesting. you do. It's annoying. That's another thing. Yeah. Your, your uh, constantly bubbly attitude, uh-huh. uh, but also the fact that you do now. You've always looked in shape, but when you're done playing football. But when I knew you and you were doing the the financial stuff, right? You don't look like you do now. Now right. you look like now you look like you're 28 years old. You yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, I literally took back my body. Yeah. I mean, it was it's been such a fun process. And so so yes, it is a, it is a combination of, of both of them. I really believe that this this Wim Hof, I believe breathing in general mm-hmm. is uh, is really really interesting what it kind of do, does to your weight loss. So, between the cryotherapy yeah. for just cold exposure, right? Cuz there's a number of reasons whether for, it's metabolic, whether it's brown adipose tissue that essentially helps eat eat white fat or it's this breathing, this idea of of oxygenating cells. Um um, the combination of those just allows me to do whatever I want now. Yeah. You know, and it's it's been really, really fun. It's been really interesting. And it's not like I've changed my eating habits. I know you're going to have, um, you know, an awesome nutritionist next. Yeah. Um, but I haven't changed my life. Like, I, yes, I still drink. We have four kids. Uh-huh. You know, me and, me and mama, we have to have, you know, she has to have a, a <laughs> glass of champagne. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I need to have my scotch. So it's not like I've made these drastic life changes except for the fact that I've introduced these. Mm-hmm. And, and it has just, my body has responded really, really well Are to you it. still, do you still lift weights? Um, I'm getting back into it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting. Uh, I do. I, I have a hard time. I, you know what ends up happening if unless I'm doing like a 15 minute intense circuit. Yeah. I just get I get bored and I start to feel like I'm just like what am I doing with my what am I doing here? I, I was sitting here waiting between sets and everything and it just it's all that drudgery comes back. I agree. and I just I don't care like I don't care. I don't yeah. care how much I bench. Nope. I don't care if I can squat or anything. I don't. I don't really care how much. I don't care what I look like. I care what I feel like anymore. Right. But I. But there's times though. This is what happens. I get into the gym and my ego gets the better of me. Because then I'll see dudes. <laughs> 
that are yoked and strong and everything, and then yeah. that competitive urge kicks in. For sure. And then I that's that's what'll trigger me. And then I'll do like a psychotic three week workout and be miserable for I'll have headaches. I'll I'll pull a hamstring or something. Well, it's funny. So my lifting now, what I've realized is I have I have been able to kind of just say, hey, look, I'm just going to go about this different. Do you remember when we were hurt? Whenever we'd come in really banged up yeah. with Dan Riley, and we would do that 15 or 20 minute workout that was. Slow, all slow reps. Right, yeah. Right? It's, it's eight seconds. Eight you have seconds, to, It takes yeah. eight seconds to complete the concentric part of the exercise where you're pushing, or if it's a, a pull-up, you're pulling for eight seconds. Right, and then and then also the eccentric, right? Yeah. So there is this there's this workout thing, and I think it's a, it's a great workout thing because the one thing is we have to lift weights because we need to try to offset just any loss of testosterone, mm-hmm. right? So we're naturally going to be losing- It actually losing stimulates the, testosterone and growth hormone. Exactly, just yeah. lifting, putting muscles under stress, yeah. right? And so- so, um, so I've kind of, I've gone to that, which then re- is really, really nice because if you're going eight seconds out and eight seconds back, yeah. um, then you can't put a heavy weight on right. and, and people recognize that. And so the, so it's not like I'm no longer competing <laughs> with a guy because throwing weight around is fun. Yeah, it is. This is the most miserable workout that I do, oh, that eight but, second it's, reps, yeah, but it's, it's 20 minutes, it's awful. Yeah. you know, it's 20 minutes, three yeah. times a week. Yeah. So, doing, so doing it on legs is really, really rough. It's rough and yeah. it, and it, and it hurts and you know, and, and you have to, you know, you're, you're going to basically failure and it, it's, 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 taxing mentally but it's 20 minutes that's where um no and and you're right that that part of your ego like i'm ashamed to admit that my ego still can sway me or affect me that much but there's that part of it where if i'm in the gym and i'm in there and somebody knows who i am like that that i used to play for the texans and everything and i'm sitting over there like trying to bench 185 and i you stop like two reps before you get real tired cuz i want to be sure they just make a uh, he must be warming get, up still just, yeah. I mean, he must he must he must have got his bench press warm up he's going to go over to this other exercise and come back and i'm going to roll my shoulder yeah. i'm going to be like oh oh shoulders hurting shoulders hurting but it's just, i i don't I don't care about being strong anymore, and yet I don't like other people not knowing that I'm not as strong. As For sure, without yeah. question. I, you know, um, yeah, we don't need to have it because one thing I've learned, and this is kind of my new, this is my new mo, especially kind of once I went through that with my body, yeah. is when I look back on my career. You know, I was obviously so focused in that moment, right? That play. And then I was so focused about that outcome of that game, and you're so focused about the outcome of the season. But in reality. Um, you know, my performance was judged on my entire career. Yeah. Right. And so that that's kind of the idea that I that I take now. My performance is based on, off of my career. And my career is my entire life. Right. Right. So so I tell a lot of our clients now, I'm like, look, it's awesome. I love that you're, you know, doing two a days at whatever, you know, you know, gym you like to do and kind of high intensity type of stuff. But if you absolutely kill it in 2018, but cannot work out in 2025, right. like what what's the point? Yeah. Right. So, so, so you kind of work smart to this idea that you're working, you know, to stay active and healthy your entire life and not just at this moment, at this individual workout. There was an article about a guy, I can't think of his name right now. He's an offensive lineman who's kind of active in the, uh, you know, legalized marijuana movement, which I'm all, I'm all for, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, Except that I'm reading this article and he's talking about how he needs pot for his pain. But then in the middle of this article, as he's 
talking about how much he needs to smoke pot because he work because he hurts so much. They're talking about this ridiculous workout he's going through, right. where he's like doing weighted pull ups and everything. And guys go through this when when they've recently retired. Like it takes a while to realize. Wait a second, dude. Like you don't you don't have to damage your body. I mean, a lot of guys you don't have to do it while you're working while you're playing either. Right. And that's one thing that Dan Riley and those guys are really good at. Uh, our old strength coach is really good at stressing. Um, but learning how to actually enjoy working out yeah. as opposed to just looking at it as something that you're doing for utilitarian purposes and you're going to want to die the whole time you're doing it. You know, like when, you, when you're doing spring workouts in college and like you actually are hoping that you die, you're like, you're going into the fourth and you're like, please, just please, God, strike me down. Yeah, yeah, I just, I can't do this anymore. It doesn't have to be like that. It does not. And, and it does, yeah. Unless you want it to. Like, unless uh, every now and then, instead of chronically, like every single That's day. That's the biggest difference, right? Like, you know, you can you can definitely have um, you know I, I think as we as we age you have like pick pick a workout that you're going to dominate yeah. in two weeks out yeah. right so Saturday from two weeks from now my whole workout routine is going to be to go into this workout yeah. and try to do my absolute best you know like I'm yeah. talking about the CrossFitters and that type of stuff who are who are you know want to have you know still keep some kind of competitiveness to yeah. them but they're able to kind of just you know you know you know pace themselves right. because they're not 21 22 well but that's what like anymore. the west side barbell guys figured out a long time ago though too um is that now that's not not that you want a west side barbell lifestyle right these are really successful power lifters but the whole theory with louis there was that you don't you don't have to be like constantly on the verge of injury to improve your performance like right. staying healthy over the course of five years goes a lot further than blasting it and then getting injured and then blasting it as hard as you can again and then getting injured so in a weird way like that that very unhealthy lifestyle of being a power lifter like in carrying an extra 70 pounds when it comes to taking care of your joints they did it this they attack it the smart way instead of the dumb way we we ended up ended up talking about a lot of this really cool stuff there was one question i did want to i wanted to get into race with you a little bit okay only because of this one question and then i figured another time we can talk about this but because Sounds good. everything going on in the nfl right now with uh with the with the 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 kneeling and protest of police brutality right uh, everything else going on in the world we've we've reached a stage where things are very tense uh-huh. not that it's ever not been tense with race but the one question i'm I, i'm curious about with you is now compared to 20 years ago how long do you know a person before they look at you and, and finally have the guts to say, so Kylie Wong, um, what, uh, what, what exactly, uh, what's your background? Because <laughs> like, that's something you've had to deal with your whole life. For sure. So you're like, I think he's, people are like, I think he's black, but his last name's Wong, and I don't know. Uh, and what's he has a girl's, girl's first name. Do people even name. bother asking you anymore? It has got, so yes, 20, year ago, 20 years ago, it's yeah. real easy, right? Right. We're, we're just, we, I, it does feel like we were less sensitive. Yeah. And people were like, yo. But you're also hanging around 20-year-olds then, yeah, too. Yeah, good you know? point. Maybe that's what it is it takes a little bit longer for them to get around to be like yo so so where how does all of this kind of come together i can't even remember what it is what's your what's your upbringing so um where are you from son so i (laughs) well i'm from oregon so i'm from eugene um but my dad he basically was was raised in hawaii so he was born in hawaii uh papa papa kalea which is basically uh hawaiian homestead land yeah is where he was um he was raised hanai 
basically meaning someone other than his biological father, yeah. which is Grandpa Wong, who came from the outskirts of Beijing. Okay. Settled kind of that, that area. It's a very common procedure kind of in traditional Hawaii yeah. to actually this idea of it takes a village uh-huh. to raise, you know, a child. Yeah. And so um, he was just like, Grandpa Wong, that's that's my dad. That's who raised me. So that's how that's how we took his last name. Yeah. So we do have black, we have Hawaiian, we have white. Uh, my kids now obviously have that Mexican in them. Yeah. I mean, we pretty much we we cover you know the the racial spectrum right. by and large. Um, I think. Uh, uh, have you, ever, have you ever done the uh, the twenty three and me? No, I was just thinking about it. We, I need to. <laughs> that would be really. interesting. That would be really. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. I was a. Uh, because uh, it's funny. I. I was but it has become such a more sensitive topic I, now. I, but I don't know if it. I don't know if it really has. It's just that everything's played out on social media, yeah. and it's such. You see the most extreme responses because they get the most retweets uh, and they get the most conversation. Yeah. And yet, you know, I'm still having the same conversations with guys I ever did. You know, I can I I, I can have conversations with people of different races and ethnicities. You know what? That's the- a great. You know what? That's that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. So, and I talk to my wife about this all the time. She, I argue that this is the safest time ever to raise children, uh-huh. and she argues that it's the most dangerous time. Right. And so statistically, I'm right. Uh-huh. But if you look at Facebook, she's right. Oh, right. And, 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 and so because, and because it be- kids don't, they're not having this. They're not having as much sex. They're not getting pregnant as much. They're doing They're basically I worry that they're a little too safe. Right. No. Yeah. So statistically, it is the safest time ever. Yeah. Right. And so and so it's it's interesting at how we can have these two, you know, like like opposing views just yeah. based off of off of looking at the, the, the world the same way. Right. And, and it is. You're right. The extreme. You hear about the extremes. Everything is real time. We know, you know, if something unfortunate happens in Georgia, we hear about it right now, yeah. you know, via Twitter or Facebook or that type of stuff. So, oh, and I'm part of the problem. I'm on yeah. sports radio. <laughs> that, we don't respond. But to yeah, you're right. That, that's extremes. a good point. And yeah, like Wade Smith and I were having a conversation the other day, both on and off air, about a lot of the current issues in the NFL. And we disagree on some things, but we managed to actually have a discussion about it right. instead of when you're not trying to win every argument. You can actually have a discussion with people about things. Um, so anyway, Kylie, really appreciate you coming in, man. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rope you into this several more times at least because it takes us it takes us 40 minutes to get through like two topics. <laughs> I know. So uh, I really appreciate you coming in the athletic room, both in Bel Air and where is uh, the other uh, one? on Montrose Boulevard, uh, right there Montrose. in Museum District. And that little ding right there is uh, Roberta Anding, who I'm gonna be interviewing next. Really appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely, thank you, man. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 